Alrighty, let's get started. Welcome back to episode 10 of Cliteracy, named to be defined later, to be named later. I don't know. Um, I'm joined today by a very special guest, kind of like a guest and a half, my stepdad and my mom, but my mom's just kind of laying in the bed. Um, so you may hear her chime in a little later, or you may hear her move around. Just know you're not alone. Just kidding. Um, do you want to introduce <laughs> Wait, do you want to introduce yourself? My name is Wayne Smith. I am the stepfather of Jasmine, and uh, I'm actually honored that she chose for me to be on the show because it's a, it's a lifelong story, but I'm sure we'll get into the details of that. Yeah, probably, probably. I think that's actually how we're going to start off. This is a really interesting episode, I would say. I know that a lot of people kind of asked me to bring some more guys onto the show, which I'm more than willing to do. I'm just very particular about the people I chose. I'm still a little particular about Wayne, so let's see if this even makes it. <laughs> I guess you could say that before we dive into this episode and the things we're going to talk about, because I think kind of Wayne, well, he used to embody a lot of the things that we talked about or we do talk about on this podcast when it comes to guys and he's no longer kind of that person today. But I feel like it's important to start off by talking about our past. There was a time in my life where my stepdad and I did not get along and I'm I mean, I don't know. Are we still in that time? Are we kind of in that time? How are we feeling about it? We're still kind of suspect, but we're working through it. <laughs> yeah, we actually just came back from a two-day trip, uh, just us, which I don't think we've ever done before. I don't think we've ever done that before, have we? No, we did fishing. We did surfing and uh, had quite the... Uh, candid surfing experience that was pretty cool yeah wayne got like bombarded he couldn't even stand up on the board he just kept falling and like the board kept knocking him out i was throwing up all over my board because i got seasick surfing which i didn't even know was possible but you know i was trying to power through it because i was the only one who knew how to stand up on the board but someone over here just kept falling in <laughs> yeah i was bound to determine to to get the board down. I was bound to determine. I mean, I'd never really done a lot of surfing, so it was pretty cool to learn the balancing act. All my children been able to surf, skate, and I'm kind of like the one that was kind of bull in the china shop, you know, just breaking through everything with no balance. Who can surf and skate? <laughs> Yessie. Okay, but the other kids can too? Sebastian can skate. He can surf. Really? Nico. Nico can skate. I don't think Nico's ever surfed, but... uh. Huh. Yeah, honestly, I can't surf either. I just kind of like, it was, okay, this story is kind of funny. I was like in my dorm room. It was like one in the morning. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do all the things I want to do this year. It's the year of yes. And so I booked like a bunch of trips. Um, and all my friends kind of had this ongoing joke that whenever I went to my dorm room alone, I would be booking an airplane like ticket to somewhere. And so they needed to stop me because I think I booked over like 20 airplane tickets just to go do fun stuff. And so I booked this trip to Alaska and then Corona hit and I was like, oh, well, there goes my trip. And then the instructor was like, hey, you ready for your trip in two weeks? And I was like, what the frick? You're not canceling it, dude. Um, so I had to scrap together a very last minute trip in like less than a week. And it was low key a shit show, but it was still a good time. So I guess let's get into it. Wayne, do you want to tell your favorite story? Um, the story of when, not the story you first met me, but the story like our family first met each other. And that lovely story. Oh, you're talking about the family at the park? Yeah. Thanks for cracking your knuckle, by the way. That was me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I very first met Jasmine, actually, as a family event, we all gathered and Jasmine wasn't really happy that day. And uh, she particularly wasn't happy with her mom. And uh, I really got to see how much of a distaste she had for her mom. And I was kind of confused by it, but... Needless to say, uh, I dealt with things a little bit differently back then and stuff, and it was kind of like, you know, wanted to lay hands on her, but not in the church fashion. It was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was a little less gentle desire, but you know, nonetheless, refraining from that. And we had a really interesting time at the park of Jasmine yelling at her mom and doing things that I was just like in total shock of. And so, I was like, I think it's time to go to lunch, and we went to lunch and. I think I didn't get to eat anything. I wound up spending the next hour and a half outside the back of the restaurant talking to Jasmine about everything she was experiencing, everything she was going through. And that was kind of like mine and Jasmine's first encounter, parental, step-parental confronting, coming together issues. It was, there was a, probably a lot more detail than that, but just for time's sake of the show, I won't you know, go into grave details. But it was, it was definitely a challenge at first getting to know Jasmine. It was back when... Uh, 
I still had, you know, the man is right and the man's going to rule by the iron fist and every child will obey their father and no matter what they say, they're going to do what the man says. And so it was, it was kind of like a battle of the wills, if you would say. You know, it was my way or it's going to be no way. And Jasmine's like, it's going to be my way or it's going to be no way. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a weird transition because it was like one of those things where my mom was kind of coming back into my life and was like now living in the same city as I was after like a couple of years. And then she started getting with you and like you wanted to be a parent. And I was like, what the hell? I haven't had a parent my entire life. What is this? I'll never forget like he tried to discipline me. And I was like, who the heck do you think you are? Like, no. But then like my dad got in on it and was like, you have to listen to your stepdad. I was like, what the hell? Why are you both ganging up on me? (laughs) Like, what is this? I was so annoyed. So like, didn't like the rules. That was the one thing for me is like, I never grew up with rules. And then all of a sudden, like Wayne came in and he was like, I mean, he's a military dude, but like, you know, like he grew up with the rules and like the rigid schedule. And so he was very like, okay, you better be up by this time where I'm chucking you onto the lawn and turning the sprinklers on, which he did multiple times to me. I think it was just different ideologies and button heads all the time is how I would describe what like the first five years, six years, seven years. I found out that he's been in my life for seven years and I was kind of shook it because I did not realize it had been that long. (laughs) Just sneaks up on you. What? Just sneaks up on you. Don't even know it. Yeah. It was crazy. I was like, you were in my life in seventh grade. And he was like, yes, I was. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, I did not remember it. For some reason, I thought you came around like eighth grade like the summer after eighth grade but now that i'm thinking about it, like those timelines don't even match up but all i remember is you saying something about a freshman paper or something like that i remember one time you wrote a freshman paper and that's kind of like the real event that really stuck in my mind because i remember the events of the sundays of no phones and trying to always catch you and jasmine come talk to us jasmine come be around us and you're like why (laughs) exactly what was the point yeah i was just trying to establish connections but at that point in time i wasn't the man i am today and understanding that even women your daughters your mothers your sisters that you know women in general there's a different way to have a conversation and that's where you know as a dad i always knew that you know my children will listen to me one way or the other but learning that there's a love component there that actually draws bees to honey like you know like your children will come to you when they feel love but you know and it's I don't think I never did anything really out of malice or ill will but it was like I always had an agenda it's like this is the regimented way things are going to go and I don't care if you're having a bad day or you know you just had a fight with your sister or you know your friends just called you names and sent you home crying you're going to do things my way because I ain't got time for all this. And actually now taking time to actually have more relationship and more connection, it's I really see the difference then and now, how things work a lot differently, the way I operate and do things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's nice that you've always been a constant in my life, but there have been times where like my stepdad and I didn't talk for like a year or two. So I don't know. It's been an interesting ride. I think it's been a fun one. Definitely. I mean, also just because you guys have kind of been all over the, like the country. So it's hard for me to like be like, oh, let's spend long amounts of times. But there was a point where I was like coming over every weekend and that was tough to go from like a super rigid home to super not rigid home. We didn't even have a freaking microwave because you don't believe in microwaves. So it was like one of those things where I was like, I cannot keep baking my pizza. Okay. I just need to freaking microwave it. What was it one time you, you actually come to try to live with us for a longer term? Oh, you kicked me out. (laughs) He kicked me out. It was, it was when you guys were living in Chula Vista Yes. and yeah, I was gone by the end of the month. (laughs) It was, yeah. You were like, okay, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) It was interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a good time. Do you want to talk about, well, we have like an outline written on the board by my mom and she wrote major lessons learned by being an ass. Oh yeah. So, so do you want to talk about that Wayne? And what have you learned? Well, who gets to talk about being an ass first, me or you? (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, I'm the one with no memory. So. Well, interesting thing is like, uh, I definitely understand the no memory thing because I've actually, I was actually like that for a while because there was a period and point when I started dating your mom and was, you know, getting into the family and stuff. There was a period of things that I didn't remember for a long time because I was really a major ass. And a lot of it stemmed from, you know, misdirection as I was taught from other men as I was growing up. And like, this is how you act. This is how you go. And this is how you're going to treat 
your family because your family will respond to you this way. And I was raised in a very, I was raised in a split home. Actually, my dad left and never really had him back in my life from the time I was 10 to about the time I was 18, right before I went to the Marine Corps. And uh, I was always raised in a home. The parental figure or the person in charge ruled with iron fist. If you didn't do what you said, either you got smacked away from the table, you got beat with a stick, you got beat with a handle, anything they could get a hold of because that's how they did things. But taking on a different role, I never really wanted to be the abuser to my children. And I learned that even in a state of fear of being overbearing as a male, uh, it was just a natural tendency that was ingrained in me. I never recognized that I parented by fear, not the same measures that I was raised, but it was still similar nonetheless. And it wasn't really till your mom helped me recognize a lot of things. And she, when I started tearing away from the church and everything else and realizing who was for me and surprised who was against me, I really took on a dark shade of light life. I was a big ass. I was a very big ass. And the things I did, I was just like, I was so ashamed of. But I had to confront that shame because I was operating from what I was taught growing up through society and through church living, stuff like that. This is what a man should be. And this is how a man should parent. This is how a man should rule his household. Because I always had, I always had some old pastor tell me that, you know, in the end time, son, you're going to answer for the way your children and the way your family conducts themselves because you're responsible. And I was like, okay. I was like, oh shit, if somebody goes and does drugs or somebody does something bad, then I'm, I'm going to answer for their sins too. I was like, oh now, oh, now I'm worried about my sins and now I got to answer for their sins too. So it was a very fear-based component that actually perpetuated me into a lifestyle that I thought I was being the man's man. And in society's eyes, I was the man's man. I mean, I had men always coming to me, you know, oh, you're the man's man. Oh, you're this, you're that. And I was like, and I look back that on today and where I'm at today. And I was like, they never really understood what a true man is. It was kind of like a skewed view of how society had dictated that, you know, you're a man if you do X, Y, Z. You know, you can't feel, you can't be soft, you can't cry, you got to be tough. You got to have that exterior that's rough, durable, that, you know, you can you can walk through hell and back and never be touched and you'll just still be the man and I'm the same. And that was probably the biggest BS story I've probably experienced in my entire life. That's something as we get into like the transition of what's today. But, you know, we got to make sure we save enough room for you to tell your story about your ass side of being things. So. Oh, I don't know if we'll get to that one today. <laughs> I got places to be. I'm sure you do. But I think um, in one of the things that I like what you're doing with the podcasts and things like that, because most most dads you know, they have a stigma about how society should teach you or how society should go. But that's what drives people away in droves. Today's society is hungry for connection. They're hungry for a love. They're hungry to know that these people that call themselves mother and father, parental figures in any regards, that they have the ability to connect. They have the ability that you can come home and you can find a place of rest and safety, love and security, which is the very same thing that perpetuates into a healthy romantic relationship. Safety, security, being loved, being accepted for who you are, not trying to change you. There's so much that's evolved over the last few years of the do's and don'ts. I can I can list all the don'ts. It's easy to list the don'ts because the don'ts are easy. And it's easy to list the do's, but now walk the do's out. That's a that's a different component. When you say do's, a lot of people will say, no, that's how you need to be, you know, because they talk about the be, do, have principles of life. But your state of being as a human being is very important because it reflects in everything you do in life. You can always have a great talk, but whereas they say is if you're not walking the walk and you're just talking the talk, well, then you're not truly embodying what it is to be, you know, a strong male or a strong female or a strong person, an individual. You know, those are very important things to take on, which I'm sure we'll get to a little bit later. But like I said, I don't want to take away from the opportunity for you to share. You know? What do you want me to share? I don't even remember. Like, well, you're going to have to get me started. Okay. So we had the first time we remembered the uh, the component of like 
when we first met and you just blew up at your mom and you basically cussing her out right in front of I remember Yessie. I had to grab Yessie because Yessie was going to go grab you because Yessie was like, oh, my God, Dad, I've never seen this. I've never seen anybody talk to their parent like that. She was told in shock because if it would have been her, she knew she would have got her butt beat because I just had no tolerance for that. But then, you know, coming into the new relationship and stuff like that, I was like, it probably wouldn't be a good thing, you know, if on my very first family outing, I beat my new girlfriend's daughter half to death. I mean, it probably wouldn't work well, you know, <laughs> so... Yeah, you laid a hand on me, I'd be like, out the door. <laughs> I'm like, never again. Goodbye. But I think for I think one of the things that was very evident and clear looking back on it now is like I had that component of caring enough to push your boundaries back. And in that experience, it's like from the phone, like get out of your phone, be attention, be a present to where we're at. Come be with us. And I think you and your phone were probably mine and your biggest uh, oh yeah component there was a point where like my mom moved into my house and my dad moved out and you were over like all the time and I was like what the fuck and like you started talking to my mom about like regulating my phone usage and I remember like one time my mom tried to like punish me by taking away my phone and I was so mad because I was like you haven't been in my life for like <laughs> eight years and then you think that you can come in into my home Basically, my dad moves out, and then you try and take my phone away. And I remember she, like, hid it in the cabinet, and I found it. And so I would use it when she, like, wasn't noticing. So it didn't even work anyways because I knew where my phone was. But, like, I remember my dad was, like, trying to be like, yeah, like, whatever your mom says goes. Like, whatever your mom says goes. And I was like, what the frick? Why is my dad being so complacent in all of this? Um, I do remember, like, one of the biggest, I guess, like, explosions I had was, like, I don't know. For me, it was, like, so hard, like, because, like, when my mom lived in my home and my dad, like, didn't live there and you were always there, it was such a weird dynamic because I was, like, this is my dad's house and, like, now you're here. And I remember, like, we were celebrating, I think, like, my sister's birthday and you tried to play What Does the Fox Say on the TV and I hated that song because it's so annoying and I got mad and I, like, stormed upstairs in front of everyone and I think I, like, was, like, screw you, Wayne, and I, like, left. <laughs> I remember a lot of that stuff, you know, it started to change probably about the time you had your first serious boyfriend. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I started to see a lot of change and stuff because there was there was times where there were certain components that took place within the family dynamics and stuff. And I was I was aware, but I was kind of oblivious still, like the interactions between you and my children that I had from my previous relationship than bringing a blended family together. And anybody who's ever experienced it knows a blended family can be a challenge in the transitional parts. I remember when you brought him over because whether you're looking for my approval or you wanted me to talk to him, but you wanted to meet me. And I remember I sent you guys to the store. Chick-fil-A. Yes. I sent you and Yessie to the store to go pick up some food. And that was when I had the the man talk. And so when I had that talk, I was like, you know, I run a development company in Mexico, right? <laughs> you know, she means a lot to me. And if she ever comes home from a date crying, there may be some trips, son. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I had to because I wanted you to know that, number one, I cared enough to protect you. And I wanted any man to, or any boy that was aspiring to date you or be with you that she had a father that protected her and that wouldn't stand for anything less than the best. And that was something that I took on, but I took on from that, you know, toxic masculine role that, you know, you have to, you have to wield iron fist. You have to do things with, you know, totalitarian rule, or it's like, you know, then you're not doing your job. But I didn't know then how to love and embrace a kid to show him that, you know, demonstrate to him the love that I had for you other than just standing in his life, you know, it's like, you know, that was a lot easier yeah. <laughs> because then I didn't have to worry about connection. I have to worry about exposing myself or being vulnerable to him in any way. I just say, you know, her and your parents may be looking for you. I don't know. It may happen. Who knows? I do remember that. I remember when everything happened both times. You're like, do you want me to go down? I'll take you to Mexico. And I was like, nope, let's not do that. <laughs> my favorite was my birthday when like you and mom both knew 
and you gave him that hug, but really you crushed like every bone in his body. And he was like, that was the biggest hug I've ever gotten. And then I was like, he knows. I literally was like, he knows. (laughs) I knew it. And then he was like, no, he gave me a hug. And I was like, no, he didn't. (laughs) I do remember that when we showed up at the pizza place, you know, because you were there and, you know, my beautiful beloved had said, you know, don't, don't cause a scene. Don't cause a scene. I'm like, this kid just, he's like, Jasmine said no. Jasmine said no. So I actually just, I'll just give him a big old hug. I think I got the message across. He knew. Yeah, he was in pain. That's actually funny. I just like finished texting him like right before we started this. I definitely think we were both asses, but what lessons have I learned other than I'm freaking amazing and it was kind of all your fall and <laughs> I had nothing to do with it whatsoever. Um, all I remember was like you were pushing my buttons and I was just like in the environment that I was in. I was trying to, you know, grasp at the straws. It was, it was a survival thing, if anything. I don't really think it was till you got to college and, you know, the way your breakup went, the way everything happened was like where things really started to change for you and I. And it came to where there was more communication in that regard. But I think uh, as things have progressed and things have even changed to this day, I mean, like taking on this podcast, I mean, it was something you're like, oh my God, don't let Wayne find out. Don't let Wayne find out. No, it actually wasn't. Like, I just like, I'm not going to lie to you. I just didn't think to like, let me text Wayne and be like, hey, Wayne, I started a sex podcast. Have a great day. You know, it was just something that, like, I never was like, uh, you know, about. You know, and, you know, and your mother's the queen of sexuality, so it's kind of like, uh, okay. It was probably just, I was like, I don't want to add on another, like, sex thing that he has to be surrounded by. You and mom and your tantric crap. <laughs> if I hear one more thing about ocean breath, I'm walking out of here. <laughs> you know, it's so funny with your mom is, like, the component that we we're getting in today, you know, talking about the masculine and the toxic masculine versus what true masculine entity is. It's like, it's something that I've had to walk out and learn, you know, through trial and error, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely taking a, taking my share of licks in regards to the transformation, but understanding that there's true love and there's true forgiveness in that process. And with your mom stepping into the teaching and the things she's done has really opened up my eyes to a lot of things. And as, as it says, it's like we're two ignitions in the fire, just burning, 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 burning. We create this whirlwind, her and I. And it's learning to embody who we are and understand that in any transformation process, there's always the burning way of the old and taking on the new. Yeah. And that's what's come of this because in the world when you look at a toxic masculinity um, I always like it to the Hispanic culture because that's where my first wife was from and she's you know you deal in that culture and you deal with a component that the macho man was like something to behold like you know a woman shall submit to the man you know the man's the one in charge and all that stuff although you see some passionate Latin women you know the Hispanic component was is like the man's in charge. But looking at that today and stuff and the dynamics of how relationships have changed, you've kind of gone from where, you know, the man was the breadwinner back then and then the transformation come and now, so everything in the teaching context, now it's more like a 50-50 and now it's kind of leaning more toward the, the change of like where now the woman can do everything by herself. And so that's where walking in proper masculinity and understanding proper femininity is is huge. Whether you're in a heterosexual relationship or you're in a you know a different type of relationship or whatever you want to say, <laughs> I would. <laughs> I I in any relationship you're in. In any relationship, period. Because the the innate and the way it understands is like there's an. You hear people use the term energy these days, and energy is one of these things that can throw people for loops because that, oh, that's super spiritual, or oh, that's this, or, you know. But energy is just a natural form of your body. I mean, your body's made up of cells that have energy. And, you know, a lot of people use the term nowadays, vibe. It's my vibe. Oh, oh I use it all the time. Vibe. Yeah, so it's like, but it's, but it's a true thing because the vibration you give off is also what you attract. And so, 
That's why a proper masculine energy will attract a proper feminine energy, depending on how they operate. And so when people understand what true masculinity is, is masculinity is also a very, a very secure, very confident place to be, but it's also very balanced. It's very reverent to the feminine. And that's why, you know, <laughs> I always say, Mom, I keep wanting to say her name and stuff. And so, you know, I always call her my beloved. Is that when we have conversations and stuff, it's very much so. It's like I can see where there's some roles where she's in a dominant masculine energy. Like she's very firm. She's very assertive about things. And like if I come up with a masculine energy and I come back with that same assertiveness, you're going to have a fight. You're going to have an argument. Are we talking like like actual conversations or are we talking like in the bedroom? Both because oh. both, <laughs> both. And, and the simple thing, that's why I talk about an energetic component in that regards because if she's operating in one form, if she's operating like, you know, she, she wants to be heard and she wants to be this and I'm giving her pushback, then there's going to be friction because there's, there's, there's not a reciprocal to come into. Whereas like when I... If she ha- has something she's strongly passionate about, she's talking about, if I sit there, you know, and I say, how does that make you feel? Or how does that, you know, I kind of take on that care and nurturing role to nurture the conversation, which is what a feminine, quote, quote, unquote, does. It's a nurturing, it's a nurturing place. But, you know, and the roles reverse at the same time. So men and women possess both. They possess a masculine energy. They possess, they possess a feminine and a masculine, because that's how you balance life out. You know, they talk about the yin and the yang. You know, how do you balance? How do you, how do you create stability? Well, stability comes from balance. If you've ever seen a scale, you take and drop 10 pounds on one side, one pound on the other side, it's very unbalanced. Same thing when you talk about when you play a masculine role or feminine role. Too much of one will create an imbalance. But if you know how to bring it into perspective, like like nowadays when I go to discipline the kids, now I spend more time in time out and conversation and questioning, asking, you know, our children, like, how do they feel? Why are you doing this? What, you know, I, I show them that I have an innate curiosity about like, well, who are you and why are you doing this? And what, what makes you feel that you need to react this way? And it's and it's a thing as a father and a mother. Father and mother as parents, their role is to nurture, nurture, nurture. And so it's a natural component. And like a father, you know, they're like, oh, you got to take your son out, teach him how to hunt and do all these things. And that's great because I very much so find peace and serenity when I'm out hunting or fishing or going out into the wilderness and stuff like that. But at the same time, I also find the same balance of coming in and taking my daughters on a date or taking them on a mani-pedi. And I say it for the, because just to give you perspective, I have children from two and a half to 25. I have a daughter that's four, one that's 10, two that are 19. Throw out your son. And then my son is four. I'm not, my, <laughs> my son is two and a half. My son is two and a half. And... And, and and then I've got another son that's 17, another son that's, I don't want to choke him sometimes, but he's 20, and yeah. then another one that's 25. And so when it comes to those components, the men are a little bit different, but the my girls always want to have that daddy time. Yeah, and even then, like, I mean, like, you and I do the outdoorsy things too. So it's not just like, I think that's also, I feel like, a struggle too, just in raising kids in general. Like, you know, the whole idea, like, I mean, like, Yessie, oh, should I say her name? That's fine. Yeah, that's okay. Like, Yessie, my sister, your daughter, thanks for the summary. Um, Like, she's, quote, unquote, a more, like, masculine energy, you know, just because of the things that she wants to do, just, like, societally. Like, she's a tomboy. She goes out. She does the sports. She doesn't, like, do all, I don't know. She doesn't, she doesn't get into the bougie Feminine, like, do my makeup all the time, put my hair up, and do all those things. I mean, she very much finds pleasure in those. Yeah, she but, does. but she's she's become more the fact that she's just like you, you know. Hey, I'll go out and dad hang out in the woods with dad. I'll go do whatever I want to with dad and stuff. Yeah. 
because she finds balance in that. But at the same time, just like your younger sister, she enjoys time when I take her out to do manicures and pedicures and date and hang out and listen to her talk about her dances and let her dance and do all these things. That's a balance for her. And then your youngest, youngest sister, she's the one that just wants to have an imaginative playtime and she wants to be, you know, the center of attention. And, Dad, let's go get cake pops and run around the park. And, you know, you know her sister's, you know, you're, she's recently taught her the, the shopping thing. So now every time we walk in the store, it's like, Dad, I want to buy clothes. I want to buy this. I want to buy that. And I'm like, you're four. Stop. don't start yet i don't mean to brag but i think i'm like the perfect mix of it all um don't like getting my nails done but i definitely love to go shopping but i also like i mean we just went to alaska and had like i say i'm gonna joke and say that we cried over catching a fish but like (laughs) (laughs) you cried over catching a fish because it almost smacked you in the face no the cat oh shit oops i yelled too loud the captain literally smacked me in the head with the fish that I caught and then at one point he like bludgeoned the fish and it chooked everywhere and like hit the back of my pants and I was about to cry okay I gotta I have to tell this like this so typically when you go fishing especially if you have long hair you should put your hair up you actually got your hair caught in the reel and I was like laughing at that I was like oh no but then what was so funny is like if after the first catches you know typically They'll throw the fish in the boat, stuff like that. And so to speed the process along, what the what the deckhand will do is they'll actually bludgeon the fish. They'll just knock them out. It's like a bone. And I saw that, and I was just like, I knew it was coming. I was like, I don't think I ever prepared Jasmine for this part of the trip because Jasmine loves baby seals. And, you know, if they talk about clubbing baby seals, like, what are they doing? But, like, these fish are on the deck, and I'm like, Oh, my God, they're going to start clubbing these fish. What's Jasmine going to do? But the bad thing was the biggest pile of fish was right behind Jasmine. So when he cracked one in the head, it splattered on the back of Jasmine. I'm like, oh, my God. She just looked at me. She's like, did I just get blood on me? I was, like, close to tears because you just heard, like, him whacking the fish. And I was like, <gasps> I, I was like, I can't look behind me because I can never go out fishing again if I watch this. And then he just started slitting the throats and you can, like, hear it. And I was <laughs> stressed and my hair was caught in the reel. And then the captain comes up to me and was like, why don't you put your hair up? And I was like, you know, that would be a good idea. But I don't know what to do in this situation. You know, nonetheless, she got the hang up. She caught her limit. She did very good. I did. I'm kind of a badass. Took like four Dramamine. <laughs> she took the max amount of Dramamine she could take, but she did great. I know. I was in the, I was the, yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> I could not, those things are fucking heavy. Even just like getting the bait up and he's like, okay, reel up the bait. I was like, oh, did I catch something? Because this shit's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> well, the biggest thing was, is like, you know, when you go on those charters and the group charters, it's like, and the boat's turning and stuff. Lines always get tangled up. You got rods underneath, you know. And it was it was always a fun, entertaining component to watch, you know, all the dynamics taking place. But nonetheless. Yeah, Wayne is like a super perceptive person. We joke about this all the time, but we're like, he has Jedi mind tricks. Because he likes, I think it's the marine whatever in you, right? The marine spirit. He just like can fuck with you. If he wants something out of you, he'll interrogate you without you realizing it. And somehow you're confessing for like 70 different things that you didn't even realize you had done. But it just starts like flowing out of you and you're like, shit, how did I get here? But that like, okay, imagine growing up with that when like Wayne was like, Loki is super toxic male. Okay, so now so now what Jasmine brings about is one of the things that uh, it's very easy to understand in the dating world. And it relates to the dating world because what I've always watched my my girls date and I watched them go through things and you know, because every father's component is you are your worst nightmare for your daughter to date because whatever it was, I did it. I mean, I was just like I was one of the kids that didn't have much supervision as a teenager, and, you know, I I had to make choices and deal with a few things a little bit differently. But watching the component of being on the dating scene and knowing, having a gift to gab, per se, or the conversation to be able to talk, um, and watching how the men that I grew up with, or 
you know, my generation, my age, you know, sex was a big thing. It was just like, what can you do to be able to sleep with a woman? And, you know, they always talk about, you know, find a date that has daddy issues or anything else like that. Oh, that's so easy. And <laughs> and it's just, it was, it was such a horrible way to look at things and think about. But at the time, it's like when you're in, when you're in the mix, when you're in the soup, the last thing you're doing is looking from outside the soup because you're in it. You're, you're in the dish, you're cooking, you're creating, you're doing whatever it takes because you got your buddy over here, he's like going in the bar and he's picking up someone and it's like, well, I can't be outdone, I'm going to go pick up someone. And, you know, and it's just like it became a competition. So you lose sight of what the true component of dating and what it is to be in a relationship that's very, very much so. So from a masculine perspective, that's a true toxic component of masculinity that's taught from a very young age through a societal pressure of like oh you've got to date or oh you've got to have sex or, oh you got to find this perfect person or hey you just got to go through as many as you can to get all the experience you can while you're young and what you do is you leave a lot of damaged bodies in the wake when you do things like that because you can talk like you're the you're the greatest guy you can walk on water you can make anything happen you know, you're so amazing, but things happen in a blink of an eye to where you don't have to prove anything. And that's where, you know, that's where the true test of what true masculine masculinity is, is, is in the time. You know, time is always our greatest tester. Everything always comes out with time. And that's why in the dating world these days with all your apps and stuff you have, you know, Swipe left, swipe right, you know, choose this, choose that, you know, and there's so many dating apps now that are just a speed component. How fast can you get through this list? How fast can you get through and who's going to pick you first? Who's going to respond? Who's going to message who? Who's going to like your photos? Who's going to comment? Who's going to be available? Who's going to do this? And we've kind of dumbed down the whole dating component to the point of what story can you present to me? I don't have to show up. I don't have to show up in a certain way. I don't have to I don't have to come prepared, you know, with anything other than some great photos and some great one-liners that I can cut and paste and put on, on an app and all of a sudden I'm dating. I'm getting people like me. I'm getting into conversation. And sometimes it's you have such a such a, bo- a large number of people to go through that you never have to really like focus on the one. You never have to like truly work to hone to get the one. And so that's where I think society today is kind of taught and kind of demasculate, done a lot of demasculating of men. And it's also cheapened women uh, to where women aren't appreciated for who they are. And that's where men tend to take women for granted. And everybody's like, oh, no, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. Ask yourself, when was the last time you actually pursued a woman? When was the last time you actually worked through a relationship where you had an issue or you just said, oh, well, there's a thousand other ones out there. I'll just forget this and go on to the next one. And that's everybody's right. That's everybody's prerogative because we have choice. We have choice to choose what we want to do with who we want to do. But what it does is in a masculine state, it creates a toxic environment. It creates... It creates an instability in the male component of who you are to actually be a provider, be a stabilizer in terms of like what you bring to a relationship. Do you bring love? Do you bring peace? Do you bring security? Or do you bring doubt, insecurity, lack of certainty? And those are things that are very big for men because women want a man that is certain, that brings security, that is safe. But that's where when you have the speed dating component, those things really never have to come out. I think when we get into the whole speed dating things or the friend dating thing, you know, that's where men lose the component of being able to conduct themselves in that manner. Because they're like, oh, well, you know, she's a strong woman. She doesn't want me to provide for her because that's going to that's gonna make her feel like less than a woman. I'm like... No, you have to understand the difference. You're not looking to make her feel like less of a woman. You're actually making her to feel like more of a woman. You know, because 
And like I said, whether if it's a female-female relationship or a male-male relationship or if it's just whatever type of relationship you want it to be, there always has to be that, we'll use the term yin and yang, because it's ebb and flow when we talk about masculine and feminine, because one has to take on that role, because that's where balance comes from, because they always say opposites attract. Well, masculine attracts the feminine in an energetic component. You can be a a female-female relationship or a male-male relationship, but you still have to have that all set in that presence to create balance. Make sense? So that's where when we start talking about masculine versus feminine and stuff like that, they're actually very complementary to one another. And it's not about a gender. It's not about, you know, a sexual orientation. It's very much about a presence. And for the longest time for me, spending my time in the Marine Corps and being, you know, brought up, you know, Southern Baptist, very strong masculine presence, I never understood that. I was always taught that gay was bad and, you know, heterosexuals, right? There was no room for bisexual or anything else like that. It was just one way. It was just the way it is. And coming to understand in the true masculine component of things is like masculine isn't about a sexual orientation. It's about a presence. And that's where when you date, so when you go to date, it's like you have to look at what you desire. What you desire as a woman or you desire as a man. Do you want someone to dominate you or do you want someone to caress and care for you? Do you want someone to be present to you in this manner or in this manner? And that's where when you start learning about what is true masculinity and what is true femininity. So because a toxic relationship is a toxic relationship, whether you're feminine or male, it's still toxic. So if there's abuse or anything else like that, that's toxic because there's no love in that. And so, like my daughters, when they date, I always want to make sure the man knows what he's doing. And that's why even I got friends that talk to men online and I look at the conversation. I'm like, he's totally digging you. He's totally hitting on you. And they're like, no, no, he's just being a nice guy. I'm like, no. Men have a way of presenting themselves to where it's one way or the other. And so um, when you look at, um, let's just take, for example, let's just say like it's your first date. You go on a first date. Most men that are interested in a woman, you know, you always go down the list. It's, you know, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite flower? What's your favorite movie? You know, it's the basic get-to-know-you questions. But then at the same time, though, it's like, how vulnerable is he with you? And that's where the true tell comes. But you got to look at the genuine effects of what their vulnerabilities are. I mean, nobody expects a man just to be, become a blubbering idiot on the first date and like tell them their whole life story because that's a bit much. You know, it's a bit much to handle because you're in the getting to know phase. And that's why, you know, when people have one night stands and all these things, I mean, if that's your thing, I mean, go for it. I mean, some people do that, but it just depends on what your preference is. If you're looking to have a dating component where you're looking for a man, you've got to look at how vulnerable man is. Because if a man's always putting up a front or always trying to be the tough guy or the overbearing masculine guy from the beginning, when does that change? Is that truly who you're dealing with? And that's where, in the dating world, I always caution my girls to watch for that. Because I remember I used to be the king of questions. I would ask so many questions on a date. I would never. I kept the women so mesmerized on themselves. Why would I give them the opportunity to ask me to be vulnerable? Because if they asked me to be vulnerable, then I had to bear my soul. And now, did I really care enough about you to bear my soul? Because... You were just supposed to be that quick fix. And so that was a big difference on the dating side of things. Um, And it kind of follows through as you continue on the progression of your relationship. That actually helps define your relationship pretty well. 
Um, I mean, I can tell my story all day long because the the woman that I'm with now, I mean, I I remember when I first started dating her. I mean, I was mesmerized by her. I was so just taken away by her. I mean, when well, I still am today, but I remember when she walked past the window. I mean, it was such an angelic light and stuff when I saw her in the church, and I was like, God, this got to be the luckiest man in the world because a lot of the women that came through the church when I was doing security, they were always married. You know, it was always... But I remember that component when she came in and when she walked by. I remember the jeans, the heels, everything she's wearing at the time. But I knew right then and there, I was just like, man, she's amazing. But then afterwards, there was an encounter where I actually got to meet her and, you know, fall madly, deeply in love with her. But I hadn't become the man that I am today. And I wasn't stable in who I was because I was I was still able to talk the talk, but I wasn't walking the walk that good. It seemed like I was walking the walk. In the church's eyes, I was like, I was a great man. I served, I led prayer groups, I was involved in men's ministry, all this stuff. But yet... Because I was going through challenge and transition in my life, I was labeled by the process I was experiencing in life. No one invested in me as much as I invested in them, which is which is a true thing in a relationship. You got to make sure the person's going to invest in you as much as you invest in them. And I remember that I depended on that relationship with the church so much that when when I started dating your mom, they were very much like well, this is the way you should do. She should meet with this, do with this, do with that. So I was very reverent to respect because I was very reverent to God, or so I thought. But I was basically just being reverent to what a bunch of men told me to do. And in that, I had a couple sit down with me and your mom at the time and basically said, you know, this guy's a mess on legs. You have no business dating him, and you have no business dating her because you have your kids to worry about basically telling me I didn't have a right to be happy. And I remember when these people that I looked up so much to that I considered to be parents told me something like this. All the stuff that I had, like, I thought I was the man. I thought I was just, like, probably created the biggest toxic male presence in me that I've ever experienced because I blacked out for, like, the next year and a half, few years. I remember nothing that took place. I completely lost it, went off the deep end. And in that process, it's like I damaged probably the greatest love that I've ever experienced with a woman because it, it I allowed my toxic environment to rob me of that experience. And uh, that's why today when I wake up to what I experienced, what I went back through then, I'm able to speak freely about it and speak on, on it in a manner of like, I hopefully there's men out there listening that will understand that you have choice. And your choice is, is that you can be your truest self and not worry about another's judgment from someone who truly loves you and someone who truly wants to embrace you. And any man out there that I encounter, I always let them know that they're loved. And that's just like women want to know they're loved. Men want to know they're loved. But men think it's a weak component to be vulnerable and be loved. But, I mean, <laughs> when you walk around as a big guy your whole life, you know, everybody looks at you, you know, as being the big tough guy. And, you know, I've, I've inflicted my share of fair amount of pain physically and emotionally on others. But the greatest thing that a man could ever do is learn how to love a woman and love her right. And that's the greatest tell of masculinity because if you can do that, then you truly establish yourself in a component because everybody's like, well, I can't find the one or I can't find the perfect love or I can't do this. That has nothing to do with the component of are you doing the right or wrong thing because who says you're doing right or wrong so when you have when I say 
a man can be as true as masculine self when he learns how to love and love correctly. Or even a woman that, you know, is dating another woman that wants to love that woman right. You know, and a man the same way, you know, loving another man. You have to be able to operate in those roles and operate in those roles effectively. Because if you can operate in true masculinity, then you can love the feminine and know what the feminine is about. Because in that, there's balance and there's harmony. And in that, you can have a successful relationship. Because if you have balance, now you're no longer toxic. It's just like when a pool gets out of their pH balance, now it's toxic, you can't go in there. But yet when you first shock a pool, you change it, you clean it up, it's very toxic. But then it settles back down to a comfortable place where you can be and actually participate in it. Same thing with relationships. Some relationships are super toxic. You can balance, you can heal, you can bring them back to where you can find comfort in it once again. But now how do you maintain that comfort? You have to have balance. And so I know I speak a lot, and I've been speaking a lot on this, and it kind of sounds like some of the stuff goes back and goes over the same thing over and over again. But it's the point I really want to drive home. True masculinity isn't dominating. True masculinity isn't ruling with an iron fist. The true masculinity in a male knows how to love and nurture just as the feminine does, but in its own way. Because a father teaches different than a mother, and a mother teaches different than a father. That's why you have the terms. But then in today's society, just like I'll touch on this real quick and then we can lead into whatever question or direction we need to go. And I touched on a little bit before when we talked about the dating. If you look at the role that the masculine plays, when you had the Wild West, when America was first founded, you had to have the man that could fight. You had the man that knew how to build. You knew the man that knew how to provide and work the land for his family. Then you progress. You got a little bit further along. Now a man go work the mill, go work the field, sell for his goods and stuff like that to where he can make money to buy and do different things. Still, the man was there and the woman was, quote-unquote, considered the homemaker. Then you came to a component where you got into the industrial age and now men were out going, you know, bringing in investors, changing, growing, inventing, doing different things. But the woman's role still hadn't emerged. She was still considered the homemaker, the nurturer and stuff like that. But then through this process, you started getting into women's rights and women lives and stuff like that. Things started changing. Now women had the right to vote. Women had the right to go out and get jobs during war because they didn't have the manpower they needed. So women and children started working on the war front. So all that gave way to this process. And nowadays, as things have progressed, you have women that are running companies, women that are running their own business, women that are independently wealthy and you know, starting movements and creating ideas and inventing and doing all these things that before the men were known to do. And now you've got men that are stay-at-home moms changing the roles and being the one provided for instead of being the provider. So you have such a huge shift in the dynamic in the way things were done that the masculine role may be looked at differently but the state of way the masculine and the feminine operate still hasn't changed. Right. Everything reverses and, you know, and things change. But the, in, the, the presence of the masculine and the feminine still stay the same. They haven't changed over time. A relationship still requires both. Because when you talk about masculine and feminine in the generic society, everybody looks at it, oh, it's either male or female. Oh, well, now you're against... Now you're against gays. Now you're against same-sex marriage. And no, it has nothing to do with that. When you're talking about a male and female presence in a relationship, you're talking about balance and harmony. Whether you say yin and yang, or you say male and female, or you say, you know, whatever creates balance. In that, there's a harmonious place that that has to exist. So, and, you know, my beloved, she's so amazing when she talks about these things because she's, to me, she's, She's the energetic queen and the queen of sexuality. She she speaks so lovingly and eloquently about relationships, and she's super funny too. But one of the things that we've discussed lately, because you joke about the tantric, you go, oh, this tantric stuff, oh, what is that? 
But <laughs> but one of those things that they talk about that people forget is self-love. Because where in a relationship can you step up and expect to be loved if you can't love yourself? Everybody's like, oh, well, I just want somebody to love me. Like Jerry Maguire probably had a great one line. <laughs> I don't know, Renee Zellweger just, oh, you complete me. And it's just like, uh, no, that's the biggest thing that people can have a misnomer about a relationship. Two holes make a great relationship, not two halves. Yeah. So if you have that self-love component, if you know how to love yourself, you know how you want to be loved. And you know what it feels like to be loved. So when you step into a relationship, you know what it's about. And so coming to a masculine point, a masculine or feminine energy has to bring about the harmony. And that's where it finds its greatest strength. And that's why, you know, I she's kind of fell asleep in the bed. I don't think she's really asleep now, but the component and the way she speaks of it is a very elegant, very uh, godlike presence of the way the energy settles into a relationship or settles on a person. Because um, up there it says... Masculine is free with love, and feminine is the energy with love. And in doing so, it's like a woman always says, I want a man to come rescue me. Well, actually, it's the feminine in you screaming out that I want to be freed with love. But a feminine, true feminine essence is the energy of love. That's why they always talk about a mother being a nurturer, because that energy energetic love nurtures so it just fascinates me discovering that from the way I was raised and the way I was taught that I can be feminine and still be in love with one of the hottest women that ever walked the face of the earth you know she can be in a masculine role and I can be in a feminine role and we can still do the dance with one another but and I talk about that in an energetic love state. You know, Jasmine's thinking I'm talking about sex, but in any case, there's there's nothing like your parents talking about sex in front of your children. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, I'm very vanilla when it comes to to my love. She's the component for yourself. What is it? What is it that you find that attracts you to the? in this component of dealing with masculine energy because as a female you probably encounter so many different toxic environments you know men that are all about their sports or all about their accomplishments or how much money i have or what i do and this is my identity but is that what attracts you is that what draws you or is it a man that can actually sit there look you in the eye and draw you into him in a conversation in a presence that is truly inviting to your soul. Are you trying to attack my basketball type right now? Is that what you're trying to do? <laughs> I wasn't talking about jersey wearing. I was. You mean jersey chaser? Jersey chaser. There we go. But I mean, it's uh, masculine is 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 changed in the way it looks these days because you don't have to go out and wrestle a cow or try to fight off a bear to prove your manhood. You have to go out, you know, provide or be present. Masculine conscious is the word today because you have so many men that are masculine in their sports and in the way they work out and the way they do things. They portray this masculine component that still brings about a component of toxicity. But are they masculine that's conscious? And when I say masculine conscious, it's like masculine conscious of the feminine. So are you aware of who you are as a masculine male or masculine female? And when you operate in these presences, are you conscious to it? Because it's just like, you ever heard the term PTC, present time consciousness? And a lot of people, when they go to do things, they're not present to their environment. They're not present to what's going on. Same thing when you talk about operating in masculine or feminine. Are you just going through a role? Or are you actually conscious 
to how you're acting and how you're being present, which is a big difference. Mm. You know, consciousness is a big thing. It's just when, it's when you talk about your conscious mind versus your subconscious mind. You know, are you playing a role? Are you playing a program? Or are you actually being present in that moment of where you're at and who you are and how you're being? Does programming take over or do you be your highest and truest self? I vibe with that. I can imagine you do vibe with that. Did we cover all, all my dearly beloved's topics? We did. Is there anything you want to add, Wayne? I encourage people to seek out their highest and truest self because coming from the ultimate male role of growing up fighting, growing up doing the jock, doing the sports thing, I mean, and going through the military route and everything else like that, even in the military, you can still be a confident, balanced male and still be a badass. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing that says you can't. And so when people out there are struggling to find their identities, whether it be male or female, you know, realize there's balance in life. And when you have that harmonious balance in life, now you start to really discover who you are and never be afraid to admit or face the components that have made you toxic in whether it be a feminine or, ma or masculine toxic toxicity. So in parting and understanding, I want everyone to know that they are loved, they are received, and they can come as they are either way and seek out help, seek out someone that will teach them how to nurture and grow in their highest truest self. Um, you know, I mean, there's several references out there that, you know, from for people to study or people to go by. And it's just, it's one of the things that I find fascinating, and especially, you know, with my wife that I look at each and every day, how I wake up and my first thing is, have I loved myself? Everybody's like, well, aren't you supposed to ask how you can love your family better, or how you can love your wife better, or how you can do your partner or anything else like that? No, your first question to start with should always be, how can you love yourself? Because just like I said, if you can love yourself, now you can love someone else right. Because if you don't know how to love yourself, because if you're not worth loving, then why do you think you should be worth loving to them? Because if you can't love yourself, why should you expect them to love you? It was probably one of the hardest things that uh, when your mom had confronted me with that because I was like, I'm not going to go do all this love and sex crazy tantric crap by myself because it's just like, what is that? You know, I mean, like, I got a partner. Why do I need to do this stuff? But it's true because if you can't come present to who you truly are and experience yourself, how can you expect somebody else to experience you in your highest and truest self? So stick with that. Love yourself. Learn to love yourself. And simply just be in a state of balance. That's all you can do. A moth just flew onto my mind. <laughs> I was like, what, are we having a little silence of the lambs here? You getting a little moth action there? Yeah, I don't know how to get it off. Oh, my gosh. The first step, acknowledgement. You have to be able to acknowledge where you're at because if you don't know where you're at, then how do you know where you need to go? And don't lie to yourself. Everybody, Nobody really wants to look in the mirror and see that ugly self or see that toxic self because then they have to admit they're wrong or they were right. Or, But that's what I encourage people. Don't make it about what's wrong or what's right. Make it about how do you love yourself better. How can you embrace your past? How can you embrace how you've been and acknowledge it? And acknowledge it as a phase you were in in your life, a place you were at in your life. And I'm sure there's some people you're going to have to apologize to and some people that you're going to have to acknowledge for what you put them through or what has gone on. 
But don't be afraid to approach that, confront that, take it on. Because if you're not willing to do that, then how bad do you really want change in your life? Because that's what it starts with. And once again, it starts with you. Don't start looking out there for change until you change in here first. Because if you can't affect change in here, how can you affect change out there? Everything always starts with you. It always starts with you. When you start with yourself, then you can truly start to affect change in your environment that you want to change. Because like people always say, is like, what's been the one constant with the story in your life? What's been the one constant thing to all the screw-ups, all the mess-ups and everything in your life? It's always been you. You've always been there. So when you start with you and you start clearing all these experiences and all these things up, now you start to gain true clarity. And now you step into what I always like to call the fire. And the fire starts to purge away and burn off all these memories and these things that have held you hostage for so many years. So... I would start with yourself first. All right. With that being said, I think Wayne and I are about to pass out because it's really late. <laughs> I think I'm going to go over and curl up to your mom because she's all, she's all nice and cuddly in the bed. No, I'm going to go cry. Just kidding. <laughs> I got to go pack. All right. Well, you've made it to the end of another episode of Clitoracy. I hope you enjoyed listening to Step Papa speak. I think, I mean, I think you definitely had some major growth. Not as much as I, I'm totally joking. <laughs> Here we go. Um, once again, bringing it back to me. I know I haven't had a solo episode in a while, but <laughs> I still am the star. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, we hope that you have a great night. I hope that this hits home in some way. Yeah, so if you need anything, I'll just pass back to my mom. <laughs> Pretend that it's me. Just kidding. Don't listen to Clitoracy. Listen to the upcoming um, Colette and Wayne podcast, The Experience, <laughs> where they just go through, I don't even know what they go through. All the relationship and sexuality experiences of couples and what they have to deal with. Are you trying to come after my sex podcast here? Oh, no. Well, if you realize, dear, you're mother has the website and she's already got the book on male confidence and everything that she's written and done so oh okay so he's saying i need to get on my book and my website i see how this is <laughs> all right well thank you so much and we hope you have a great day night afternoon i don't know what but we're signing off <laughs>